So, hello everybody, and uh, welcome to a new episode of The Solar Journey. My guest today is Jürgen Sutterlüti. Welcome to the show, Jürgen. Hello, Tarsen. Great to be here. Yeah, thanks for joining. So, um, yeah, let me briefly introduce Jürgen. So, Jürgen works for an Austrian company called Gantner, and uh, he's the vice president in the energy segment. And uh, he's responsible in that role for cloud services and marketing. So, uh, his business units provide services for monitoring and controlling energy assets. And uh, so, so Jürgen helps to optimize the operation of solar power plants and battery parks. And the, the methods used for these services are edge computing devices and cloud-based processing. Before joining Gantner Instruments in 2014, he worked for Erlikon Solar and Tokyo Electron Solar where he was responsible for optimizing PV power plants. So Jürgen has been in the solar industry for quite some time and power plants were always on his mind. Um, his background, Jürgen studied power electronics and systems engineering in Austria and Switzerland. And he holds an MBA in entrepreneurship from the University of Liechtenstein and University of St. Gallen in Switzerland. So Jürgen, when and why did you get started in, in solar? Well, uh, so uh, great welcome from my side also to everybody and all the listeners. Well, when I did start in solar, um, it was I think roughly 2003 when I did my master's uh, on the university where it started with uh, renewable energy and all the IPCC reports where they are starting to get a bigger topic. Um, and there were also a few niche applications for PV and a few companies around who thought there is some potential in solar. And then we in, did uh, learn that. I did also do a lot of courses for renewable energy um, systems and also see the global energy change. You know, the BP reports were a big thing at that time. Uh, you have to understand where all the oil is coming. And I tried to understand how this system works. and. It's a hot topic uh, up to today. Maybe it's switching oh. out to gas, but still it's uh, it's uh, oil and coal and gas uh, dominated uh, system. And it, But it was clear that the system has to change because everybody knows that peak oil is over and, uh, and uh, already passed. So uh, people are looking to keep their power, but still uh, move to some new applications. And uh, then... We said I had the chance to work uh, in the universities to set up a renewable energy institute where we did a lot of PV. And at that time in the Rheintal Valley, there were also a lot of uh, activities for um, starting coating activities for solar industry, which was Ehrlichon Solar, obviously. Uh, coming from the, the big Ehrlichon group has a, a <clears throat> perfect coating experience. A lot of people know it from Balters uh, and so on and uh, PCVD was uh, was needed. And then we could uh, start and work a lot of uh, out for new PV feasibilities and so on. Also inverter manufacturers, transformerless manufacturers were there coming to the market. So we did test and analyze and model a lot. And that was quite uh, intensive and also fun to see the different journeys um, where the different players are going. Uh, and that built a lot of competence and it was a very good uh, self-financed 
uh, Institute. So we had more than 50% industry financing. So mm -hmm. the demand was there. And um, this brought a lot of foundations there. And then you start to do papers, then you start to meet the people in the industry. Uh, you, and, and, and that was a, one of the first phases uh, entering solar. Yeah, excellent, excellent. So, so from then, from the university, you switched to to uh, Erlikon. What was your initial job at at Erlikon? Yeah, I mean the the timing was perfect because there was a demand for um, doing something when a PV module was produced out of that uh, end to end turnkey production line. Erlikon at the beginning has not a concept that they do turnkey; they wanted to sell just equipment. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the same trend as the people are doing now also again you had and and so on so the pcvds and 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 kai machines were more or less their a key thing and then they decided to build up a turnkey thing and then you need somebody who understands uh, what should the mod pv module look like uh, what is coming out uh, in the outer conditions and how do you link outer measurements flasher measurements and then uh, building up their team and working also very close with uh, the researchers um, in Neuchatel. So we always, I had access to very bright minds where I could work with them, test their new cells, modules, testing the latest stuff from <clears> the <throat> pilot line. I think you know that feeling yeah. and you know that journey as well. And uh, and so we try to understand what's coming out in the real world. And there are a lot of discussions why it's not as it is in the flasher. And that was always a motivation for me to understand that, yeah. even against resistance. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because, uh, yeah, standard test conditions are for indoor and outdoor. It's something else. And on top of everything, it's, it, was always, it was very clear that it's kilowatt hours per square meter. And this is what, what makes the win. Uh, and this win, um, we, we tried to really um, uh, ride the wave with Synfilm because crystalline was very expensive and so on. It's expensive again today, so that's also a driver for uh, new technologies. Uh, but you also had to mount that modules, so we had uh, working a lot of um, system designs. What is the PV module looking like? Uh, so a lot of trends, what first solar used, for example, we also initiated and, and and did their things a lot of power plants and um and this was more or less the the early journey uh this was then getting bigger and bigger so uh, we had to convince customer in the home market so we test power plants across the globe from Alice Springs to the US uh power plants next to each other so we have local data for india and so on that was also fun to control and set up everything and there it's the first step of collecting all the data because you had to have optimized reporting otherwise you spend too much time on excel files and so on yeah and you also have to select the right database which was then a good uh, starting journey and, and learning effect uh, from the for my work at gantner yeah yeah sounds pretty, pretty much back, like it yeah yeah but but coming back then to the power plants you know it's you it's always then that you want to compare uh you always have to compete as a new technology versus established ones and uh, if you don't show the benefit benefit up front you are not there so it was very uh intense and also very 
um, strategic that you have to show track record and you cannot accelerate track record in the field. So you have to install mm -hmm. early the stuff. And we did yeah. that at several locations worldwide. Yeah, excellent. So lots of engineering that drove your um, your initial career, but also with the focus on on the economics, the the, the profit from solar power plants. And uh, and you did an MBA on top of your engineering degree, or actually two, if I read correctly. Um, it's it's what, a what, combined one. It's not it's, it's just one. It's just one in combined. Um, yeah, what was the driving force? Was it worth it? And uh, would you do it again? Or should you have gone business first without, should you have skipped engineering when you look back now? Or No, I think the people in the market are very helpful when they can understand both worlds. Uh, yeah. it's, and, and that's also my interest. For me, it was also very clear that I'm not a, a full 100% researcher, uh, but I want to bring something to the market and see and identify new trends and uh, use that technology to create value. This is what, what drives me. Uh, yeah. And, and, and when you see new ideas, when you see a new energy uh, generation source, uh, I wanted to test that. That's why I also went to wind industry and uh, developing converters and understand what happens when a uh, DCAC converter blows up and all that stuff. So I was really on site repairing that stuff, the cooling liquids and accidentally hitting the shutdowns and so on. So that's all experience which you have to have um, because when you do some strategic things uh, and more business related things, you cannot run the world by Excel or business plans. Somebody has to do it at the end. And when you can judge that, what it really means I think you can uh, work with the team in a different way. And I think that's the way how you should, how I want to work with people and also how uh, we have to have um, uh, uh, project development nowadays. Mm -hmm. Excellent. So what was the key thing you learned during your MBA, which you didn't learn during your engineering course? Well, I think it's very important that you can communicate your idea. Mm -hmm. what you want and that you have to spend a lot of time to simplify it down for the right audience and that you have to be quick adapting to the audience because that changes over time and over the day uh, and and if you don't understand what you are doing people will discover that very quickly so don't talk about thing or be open when you don't know things Yeah. And, uh, and 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 be honest. So that's a little bit my my main takeaway. Um, the MBA was about entrepreneurship because I want to understand and learn that. As a technician, you you saw that uh, you know a lot of startup was 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 a hot topic, and I wanted to understand what are the rules and and how you work with that VCs and all that stuff. And that was a very good background that you have an understanding about how it works. Also, digital marketing is something what we touched there. So it was a lot of topics which I understand uh, at that time very well. And it was one of the first entrepreneurship studies in Europe uh, with excellent profs. So we benefited there a lot. And, mm -hmm. and that's uh, that's helping me uh, up to today that you have a little bit of understanding how the business world works. Excellent. Excellent. Thanks for that. Um... I'm sure that many listeners uh, consider moving on from one 
one direction engineering or business to the other side and uh, yeah this could be a helpful input for for some of the listeners hey a few words on Gantner. So uh, how many people work at Gantner? Are there, what are the other segments? Roughly the revenue, global footprint. Could you share some uh, yeah. some information on, on Gantner? Yes. So Gantner Instruments is an Austrian-based company headquartered in Vorlberg, so close of Con uh, Lake of Constance and in the Montafon. So beautiful nice place area. to work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, blue sky today, snow on the, on the mountains. So perfect uh, work uh, place. But it's a very distributed and flat company. Um, and it was founded in <clears throat> 1982 with a lot of different applications from access systems, from RFID detection system and data acquisition. And the investors at that time, they had... Uh, said you know too many different uh, segments does not make sense you have to focus and then the data acquisition system was uh, one uh, which was one up for sale and then our uh, ceo at uh, current ceo mr werner ganal and, and and the colleague they bought that out and then he was running Gantner instruments mm -hmm. uh, which is then doing data acquisition and control and uh, that was and, and and one application in that area uh, was is is mobility automotive combustion engine nowadays EV testing battery testing, the other one is aero and space so rocket launch pan pads and so on so also very dynamic growth now in the space coast so we have clients in that Boeing Airbus area, which mm -hmm. brings also the mindset of a company uh, into the product because even when you are in a small valley uh, you have to delivering for the world. The second thing is that uh, we have then also condition monitoring and civil engineering applications for railway and so on. German railway, for example, are big customers from us. And then we have energy. And within energy, we're doing wind, solar, battery, and also uh, hydro power plant monitoring. And PV uh, is the latest add-on on the, on the growth. Um, uh, uh, journey because uh, PV started quite small and is now 30% uh, of the turnover already. Uh, overall, we make uh, 100, uh, no, we have, we make uh, 25 million plus and, and uh, we have more than 100 people across the world. We have uh, offices, own offices from San Diego to Singapore to in China, uh, Paris, Stockholm, uh, Germany, uh, two in Zwinitz and in Nuremberg and, and headquarters in Austria. So it's like a very flat organization. Uh, R&D is done in the headquarter uh, and sales and pr uh, business processes and talking to the people is very uh, decentralized. Mm -hmm. That's That helps us that we get very early the trends from Asia, what they at the end will be implemented in or demanded in the US. And Europe is in the middle. We have more or less 24-7 of support with all the teams, mm -hmm. which makes us uh, accessible. Uh, and the focus is that you, and that was not just because it's now hip, uh, it's at the beginning that you listen to the customers and, 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 and deliver rapid prototypes and, 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 and feasibilities with them. So we go the journey with them. It's partnership, not just a vendor. Uh, and that 
brought us to a lot of cool projects and that's a lot more or less the spirit how you grow in the new markets for example we are also doing in the energy segment fusion energy which is always delivered in the next 30 years something so but it is shifted all the time but uh, you know that uh, fusion reactor in greifswald uh, north germany all the data acquisition comes from us and even the 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 notaus the emergency stop is controlled with gantner this is like a flagship project and you don't get in there if the quality is not good Mm -hmm. period and Due to that, we are also working in ITER and, and all that stuff. And, and the same examples are applicable for a lot of different um, applications. So we have all the automotive players which are doing their testing with Gantner, uh, really globally. So you have to have people in Michigan, in Detroit. Uh, you have to have people in Munich, in, in Stuttgart, which are there talking to the customer, working with the customer. Mm-hmm. Okay. And... And uh, and the great success story is our PV business unit. It's separated in a different in a separate company because we all know that solar is a high volume, low margin business, and there is a roller coaster. And it started quite small and is growing exponentially. So um, at the beginning, the story was that <clears throat> we have data loggers as a product, and then Shuko was in the market and said we will do a house you're selling all the components and we also need a data logger so we were trying to sell data loggers to Shiko that was the current CEO from Ganten Instruments Environment Solution Jörg uh, who is doing there a great job and then Shiko stopped immediately and then yeah what we do the next thing was well string monitoring is a topic why we don't measure strings we can monitor and data log everything so we did start with string equipment and then this was a huge market. Uh, we, we did ship hundreds of channels, thousands of channels to India and all across the world. And then you start to grow. We, you do combiner boxes, turnkey ship that in containers to the solar boom in Australia and so on. So that team has a great know-how about logistics and doing big projects. And at the beginning, it was, you know, a megawatt and 10 megawatt. And nowadays, smallest projects are... The, not below 50 megawatt it's it's huge what they are working on is currently you know 400 megawatt the biggest one in germany and this is done turnkey with gantner monitoring hardware and control and you need a <clears throat> good team who understands the value chain yeah. and what and string monitoring is not not uh, the most important thing for the industry all the time You've seen it's going down in Europe and globally, but you see s- small signs again in, in, in the US at the moment, which is funny because they always reject the string monitoring. And, uh, and of course, with decentral inverters, uh, you don't need that. You have all the data. So the next step was in the evolution that you do data logging uh, and control of the power plants. Mm-hmm. So we have already all that stuff. Uh, and now power plant control is one of the key um, services and we differentiate there clearly that we have an open platform and the customer can adapt the control mode so it's not a black box it's a platform and we can support that remotely from everywhere in the world connectivity is key there 
Uh, and with that, we control with one data logger hundreds of megawatts and mm -hmm. collect the same the data at the same time. And and this is uh, there are more than ten gigawatts out there for this control of Gantner at yeah. any moment of time. So th if this is not working, uh, we would have a business problem. So yeah. reliable control is key. Yeah. So your your system is it. Hard, it includes hardware, right? So it's not only software, it includes it's hardware. hardware and software. It's hardware and software. So you um, monitor the uh, the performance of single small units in the solar park, but also now the, the full complete solar parks. So what, what kind of data do you collect and what does your customer do with it? And what's the value you create with this monitoring? Yeah. The, uh... This answer has to be different per stakeholder group. Okay. <laughs> because who are um, your stakeholders? <laughs> exactly. I will I will try to group that. So you have different type of uh, of phases also in the last 10 years. You have the EPCs in 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 Germany which build and want to sell after 2 years. So they go for the fast delivery. It has to work. They want to get their a PPI a PPA signed or feed-in tariff, and then after two years they want to sell it. They don't care about the data quality. Mm. You know, pr uh, if I may formulate that in that clearness. But the second one who owns, who will buy it, he then has to integrate the data again into his platform. So you have already two uh, players. The one is DPC, and the second one is the one who is doing a portfolio Sorry, management. May, may I jump in? So the uh, the EPC does he already include your monitoring, or, or he just doesn't care? It's just extra cost. No, no he is he is including it. <clears throat> you have you have two types of uh, companies. A lot of them say, "Oh, I don't need it," but that was the early days. Nowadays, monitoring is is defined there. And it's 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 uh, below uh, 0.5, 0.7% of the total system cost. So it's neglectable. But yeah. when you want to ramp it up, when you want to sell electricity to the grid, you need that data. So it's nowadays no longer possible that EPCs can say, I, I don't do monitoring, just okay. uh, do the metering. I have to be clear also when we talk about that, we talk about utility scale. Ganten is not doing so, the residential and, and so on. Yeah, uh, we do a lot of power plants in the air. You know, commercial rooftops for for the big mobility brands and all. But when then you aggregate that together, mm -hmm. okay. But they always have their platform, the, our cloud-based so solution, software as a service. They see instantaneously what what is there. So they see if inverter is broken. They have the ticket system. They have uh, a document system and all that stuff and track record. Good. And the first two years is everything is good installed, then it's then it's fine. Then you mm -hmm. sell it and then other people uh, want to log in and then they want to migrate the data. So we are having a separate um, world, uh, which is more or less the platform management that all the power plants are in there. This is the biggest customer scope. Mm -hmm. Uh, and they, of course, want then to have reporting, portfolio management, uh, how is the performance ratio of different power plants and, and alarming and notifications. So you see if the inverter is broken and so on. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the third one is the one who really wants to produce kilowatt hours and sell that on the, on the energy trading platforms. They want to optimize the system. And when you want to optimize, you have to understand what is my current performance versus my expected performance. And there, 
modeling and and uh, loss analysis uh, comes into the game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And um, so so you have an initial capex, and uh, with the software you have a recurring revenue business model, or, or how, how does it work? Yeah, we have the the hardware is. Uh, um, based on the on the requirements from the RFP and all yeah. that stuff is combiner boxes and all that stuff. So you have that uh, they purchase it and they own it. And mm -hmm. the, the, the cloud-based services is, is, is a, a, a monthly fee that, that goes that starts on 20 euros per mega uh, per, per, per megawatt. That's roughly the, the price. And for bigger projects, then you optimize that and then you have additional services for controlling and so on. Yeah. Excellent. And uh... You mentioned that it's you're using edge computing. Um, that's a uh, that's a term which is which you hear now a lot often, often. But what does it actually mean? Edge computing. That's, that's yeah. correct. It's a it's a buzzword. And uh, since Gantner is doing data loggers since 1982, maybe we are the oldest edge computing company in the world. But that's all what <laughs> I want to say about edge computing. No, it's about data reduction because when you have Let's take uh, in each ship we have in Ben Ban there, they plotted these multiple uh, plots of 50 megawatt power plants there. And then you have one controller absorbing everything. Maybe mm -hmm. you do two controllers because you have a road uh, on the in the middle of the, the PV power plant. So and you want to control it or you have different owners. So you have two or few, let's call it data loggers in the field. Now you have to acquire all that data at the same time, because if it is shifted by a few minutes, it's worthless for analysis later on. Uh, but we do that on a one second rate everywhere. So that's, okay. uh, and we are ready also for higher assembling rates already, because it, if you see that in industries, PV is really still relying on five minute or 15 minute average values, but uh, customers now want use one minute, but there's an, next trend will be uh, one second and or faster for a specific time and for that you need data reduction because you cannot you can with our technology stream data up to the cloud on a 10 hertz kilohertz basis for grid quality thing mm -hmm. but you can you have to reduce that first of all if there's no internet connection you have to buffer it locally not everywhere in the world you have a stable internet connection or at least wired so we have to the team is dealing with all that satellite uh, concepts and all and so on and you also want to trigger activities even when there is no cloud like control so edge computing is more or less an intelligent device which can work standalone uh, if there even when you are not connected to your cloud service um, and and customers can put functions on that platform, so they can apply rules. They can apply, adapt, feed in strategies. That's also helpful if when we talk about batteries later on. Mm -hmm. And you can also record data on a trigger based. So, for example, when you have uh, tracker movements that you just measure the force and the motor current when the tracker is moving, and you don't store data when the tracker is doing nothing. Yeah. And, and that can be applied for all different things. Uh, and, and out of that, you can also do some uh, local logic. Mm -hmm. um, and that has to be fast. 
and and not just on a we, Gantner is able to do real-time control. So in the high-end performance devices, you can acquire the data with 10 or 100 kilohertz, uh, which is needed for power quality and battery explosion testing. Hmm. That's too fast what you need for PV, but for PV, we use that know-how and just cost optimize it for the solar use case. Yeah. Um, another buzzword uh, to edge computing is uh, artificial intelligence. So you have lots of lots of data. Are, are you providing services in that sector as well? So you have, you know, you, can you show um, correlations between wind and uh, I don't know, tr yes, tracker uh, accuracy, anything like that? Uh, yes, uh, and. It all starts when you understand one PV device <clears> and then you scale it up to a utility scale device. So we have also a product line which is doing IV scan testing outdoor. Mm -hmm. That's more or less the DNA of the PV module. When you know how that behaves versus temperance irradiance, you can already start to model that. And, and there we still work with mechanistic which means physical meaningful modeling and mm -hmm. not just uh, machine learning because when you predict something i can t you want to hear the what happens or what is not okay but the answer you need also is the why and yeah. machine learning is not is so far not able to tell you why you have a power drop Mm. Uh, the latest trend on machine learning is that you have explainable AI, AI now in the field, which is a hot uh, search topic that people try to develop AI, which is explainable what AI is doing. So we we test that, we do that uh, also intensively because it helps you if you have no data to sanitize and to group. Mm -hmm. But on the PV world, you still can do a lot of mechanistic modeling And there we are in the range of plus minus two and a half percent uh, normalized root mean square error for the prediction uh, of the power output for any component in the power plant. Mm. So that's a lot of calculation, but it's uh, you just need irradiance, module temperature, and if you, if it's windy wind sensor, and 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 with that modeling we can really predict the the power. Uh, at any given time and the same also for voltage and current and that also helps us a lot for the fault detection so Jürgen, you th thanks a lot for, for the explanation just to um, um, make it uh, more transparent so you measure iv so the current and the voltage from the in this case the solar power plant what else do you measure it's 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 wind speed can you give us an idea of the the number of of data points um yeah yeah so there's <clears throat> in that's in the thousands so you want to when you have string monitoring inside you want to measure each current uh of the string and the voltage of uh of of, of, of eight sixteen thirty two strings in parallel depending on the module power then you have uh, combiner boxes combiner boxes are then um, did, uh, collecting the current uh, which goes to the inverter so we measure all the inverter parameters we can uh, and and also the transformers and temperatures and then you want to measure also the grid connection points uh, power quality uh, power meters and and also the official feed meters 
In big power plants, you have several meters, you have uh, incoming energy, outgoing energy, and so there are power plants with 10, 15 meters, also quite common, uh, especially when the ownership of the power plant has multiple parties. Mm -hmm. So then we are collecting all the data and the people are looking on that data. Yeah. Next to that, uh, we are collecting, of course, all the environmental parameters, irrigation sensors with reference cells, parameters, wind, module temperature, ambient temperature, and so on. And this is more or less a setup. And you have a weather station for each 20 meg or 10 meg, depending on the uh, customer's requirements. Uh, you have, um, <clears throat> if you have decentral inverters, you just uh, read all the data from the decentral inverters. So we do all the protocols there. And this uh, brings then uh, thousands of channels per, per, per minute in our example here uh, to, the, to the data logger. Uh, and then we have all the data normalized and pre-calculated. Uh, so we can do the enrichment quite easily by the customer. So yeah. we have all the reference values and so on. This is in the range of, you know, for a for a 100 megawatt plant, you have roughly several hundred thousands of parameters each yeah. minute of time. Yeah. And uh, I mean, everything is run now by computers. One could naively assume that collecting data is a simple um work to be done um what is the complexity in, in so many so much data could, could you describe us why, why is it so difficult and why um Gantner has so much success in in various industries in collecting data it it sounds obvious but it depends always what you want to do uh, with it if you know that very well you can it's an easy task when we want to measure temperature, you buy a data logger, connect a temperature sensor, and you have a display. Yeah. But it, de it depends on <clears throat> what you will do with that display information mm -hmm. because you want to store it over time. So you want to see what was my temperature over the last day. And when you want to see the last year, you need an uptime of 99 whatever percent. So you maybe don't rely on a Windows PC or any Raspberry Pi, which has a firmware update. And after the firmware update, it is not running and you have to do the configuration again. So these are typical things from what all consumers know. And when you want to do that for scale and you are responsible that each minute the data is there, you need solid hardware and solid connectivity. Yeah. And you need UPS. If there is no electricity, you still want to lock the data. Uh, you need uh, different interfaces because each sensor behaves differently. We have all plugins there that you can speak to all the Modbus versions and so on. And especially at the beginning of the solar boom, each inverter, inverter manufacturer had different pr protocol nuances. So you have to be flexible. It's not perfectly standardized, even when there is a standard. I think you all know that, that game. And then you also need the the ability that others can have a bi-directional communication so that you can send a signal to the data logger, which is then sending the signal again back to the inverter and say you are doing power reduction or you're doing active or reactive uh, power and so on. So the control mode comes into that. And we mm. combine everything in the same platform, which makes it cheaper for the customer um, because you don't have a monitoring and the control separately. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. 
Okay, so reliable data logging is is the key here, so that it doesn't break down, because um, uh, the your customers really depend on uh, um, high quality data, and then also the usability with the direct bidirectional communication. Um, what's the exactly the value you create? Is it more on like initiating preventive maintenance, or is it? Or is it more on optimizing your solar power plant or any other operations? Or is it, or is it both? Where, where do you think is the is the largest value you create? Preventive maintenance versus optimization? It's it, it's it's both or or all of them. All again, depending on the on the target customer. Because mm -hmm. first of all, you have to have a track record of your asset. When mm -hmm. you want to sell your car, it's good that the uh, uh, counting number of your Distance is really uh, is is reliable. Uh, so you don't you you rely here that this is traceable and and, and protected. So you need a good data quality, which shows how much uh, energy was that asset producing. What are the failures? So it's having data of that um, asset gives you a higher price when you can sell it uh, to the in the secondary market. The second thing is you want to optimize the data. So when you are a kilowatt hour driven company, uh, you can uh, find out where I'm losing energy. Uh, and this is also where we provide here the services and you can visualize that, have all the alarms there and 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 you can also have the models comparing that. So we can tell you for any given of point of time what should come out and what is coming out and based on the difference, you can trigger <clears throat> your alerts. And when you have data over time, you then can do the uh, preventive maintenance discussions, which I think is at the beginning of imp being implemented into the real world. There's a lot of bustle around that, but uh, the question is who really runs that in the big fleets and not just for a prototype or for one or two power plants. And even for that, you need high quality data. You cannot correct it over time. And, and here, the, the big companies are having their own teams working with that data and exec, uh, uh, accessing to our APIs uh, because we have quite frequently the thing that we have the data normalization already perfectly done so their data scientists can work faster uh, instead of setting up a separate uh, cloud environment. That's yeah. a key differentiator. So we are saving manpower. Okay. Um... Now, when we look at the your, your your customers, and maybe you have insights in uh, simply by the questions they ask you on what you should change in your in your product or services, what's the key challenge uh, in in operating solar power plants? What what's what's what keeps your customers busy night and day? When you enter new areas like Middle East or Australia, which are remote, and you're a German EPC or you are a European EPC and you go abroad, it's logistics and to have the right people there and realistic and reliable communication of what do I need. Mm -hmm. And central point of information is key so that everybody has the same information and the same SLDs and, and all that stuff. Uh, and and that that's number one. So it's the team which is established and a lot of, great EPCs and customers have these teams ready and they can really do that on scale. That's that's really good. When you have that, you need somewhere the data so that you can 
support that from the office. And we don't have a big team flying around. We can do everything from the office with our remote access services. And people can prepare everything in the office and then go online. And if you have problems, we can log into all the devices uh, and, and, and support them. That's very helpful for commissioning. Mm. And, and, and overall, later on, it's the adaptability that, yeah, you have phase one and then you want to add phase two and this has data streams have to come together. So this is also very important that, that people have that ideas. And when you do that three steps, you have to have a flexibility, but still robust platform, which allows you all that things. And mm -hmm. this is very key. And the demand, what people want to do in three to five years, nobody knows. Mm. It's not clear. You have to act very quick. And on top of that, it comes that different countries have different ways how you control power plants, how you have to monitor power plants. So you have to be very country specific. And um, it, it's not that there is a standard way for it that you have a standard monitoring concept, you have a starting thing, and then you adapt it. Um, where a lot of more standardization comes in when the big utilities build up their portfolios, they want to harmonize it everywhere. So they say, Gantner monitoring has to be here. That's the component you have to use. Mm -hmm. You can select these uh, types of modules. You can select this uh, uh, sub uh, construction company and so on. So, so there it is. And when you have then power plants um, built in that pipeline, then you have a, a lot of uh, repetition and, and a lot of uh, a good learning effect because people know how it was in the last time. Yeah. That saves the max, the, the most cost, I think, nowadays. Okay. Yeah. So it's cost and uh, <clears throat> one thing and the other thing is reliability. So um, do, do you get insights on uh, how reliable solar modules are these days? Uh, inverters are always said that they uh, break down mostly after 10 years. Um, or in general, what, what is the weakest, weakest component in a solar park uh, nowadays? Well, that's the holy grail. Everybody wants to have the insights and I'm not able to share all what we see, but I try to share what, what I think is, is gives us uh, enough insights. Yeah. Um, the reliability of power plants also depends a little bit of the year or of the era they were built. I mean, mm -hmm. if you know what was done in Spain with the big solar boom, now there's a solar boom <clears> again <throat> and they learn a lot. They do it differently than than in the past, also the big solar boom in the UK. Power plants are built up and after one or two years, they are sold to another one and they then observe what happens after five, 10 years. Mm. Um, and it, it it's really the important component is always the inverter and the communication of the inverter is also something which is very uh, important that this has to be reliable. The communication of the inverter with the data logger? With the, with the data logger. That's, a, okay. that's an important thing. Um, because when the inverter is not able or stable enough to, to work 24-7 and send data and you have to reset it, this is something, as an example, what, what, what are 
uh, early early failures. And we also work with a lot of inverter manufacturers together and, and optimizing the feedback. And then we have to update the firmwares. We can roll that out to the whole power plant with, with one click. That That's a thing. A second thing is that the components are not able to adapt to the electricity codes. I mean, power plant control is now required everywhere. So if the inverter does not have that ability, you have to exchange it and, and then you're losing money or you and it's not controlling fast enough. So this and this then creates an, a failure. Sorry, can, can I jump in? Um, what, what kind of communication is that? So the uh, the inverter receives messages from the grid uh, for for what purpose and for okay, okay. I mean, power PV is 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 a significant uh, player now in the energy uh, generation, and and therefore you have also to be to to support the stability of the grid. The mm -hmm. fifty hertz has to be stable, so. The power, big power plants and now, now also smaller power plants uh, have to be controlled. So the utility or the, the DSO is um, sending signals. I want to reduce your power, for example, to 80%, and then this has to be executed. Mm -hmm. If this inverter is not able to do that reliable, mm -hmm. they are shutting it down. Then you lose everything. So the, the grid and, operator shuts down the, the solar park because they exactly. say you don't follow our rules yeah exactly so that yeah. that's one idea mm -hmm. another thing is really that you have to uh, uh, react very quickly and 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 then uh, the ramp rates of inverters have to be controlled and so on and here we try to bridge the problems from the the limitations from the hardware to the to the grid uh, to not to really adapt to the to the real use case mm. you know it but it's also about failure you know the the question cabling and, and 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 basic engineering that you do it properly that the cables are protected from the environment also something that a lot of people had to learn especially when you are going outside of europe uh you you understand why in australia the cables are sealed and protected and sometimes with metal tubes and so on termites and and all that stuff is is really something which you have to uh, take care about failures and and when you have all the basics done then you start to see okay how is my pv device working and uh, that's also very interesting that how you get different qualities out there uh, and and how the different batches uh, work um, of course you will see that in the meter a little bit but always half a year too late maybe that you have a problem in degradation so our job is to really detect that and 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 at least flag there is something running off um and um you had a lot of interesting insights when you have perk technology at the beginning uh and and so on um and a, and a lot of customers are really looking at that from the beginning so they want to see the lid effect and so on and we could really help them to give feedback also for the from monitoring to their lab-based measurements to their quality operations and so yeah okay um so you're looking at the like the big picture Gantner, like at, at complete strings or the complete solar power uh, park um there there are the, how large is the need for like let's say individual solar module measurements there's mobile labs so you can um, do quality control on site um there's uh, 
inverters per module, which are mostly used in the residential area, but of course, in theory, could be used in, in uh, large solar parks as well. So in general, what, what's the need to um, have in situ or let's say a more complicated on-site individual solar module measurement? That's a good question. And uh, that's uh, <clears throat> there is no one sentence answer to that. Uh, it, it depends again, really on what is your, what is your target? I think the, the big players are all investigating the technologies up front, have their own test labs, have their own test facilities, do the indoor stuff. And mm. for all the components they install, they have the quality inspections, but that cannot cover how the device behaves over time. Mm. And when you know how your technology degrades, if it's degrading, where it is degrading, you can adapt if you have the problem later on in the field with uh, a rearrangement and so on. So if current is degrading, it's different than when you have voltage degrading. If you have to repair stuff like that, that helps. But you know, that's everybody hopes not to have that problem. Mm -hmm. um, so they try to test and at least um, work a lot with statistics and say, I tested X percent or X a fraction of a percent of modules and sample that. And from that, I, I know how this is test distributed. So here, it I think it really makes sense. Mm. Um, when you have string monitoring, you can have a lot more insights on the module level versus just uh, decentral inverters. So that's why string monitoring is sometimes added uh, for research projects also on small power plants. But when you have the IV scan, you really know what's going on. And I think this is very important that you uh, understand there because it's not just the maximum power point area which counts, it's also how is uh, the parallel or series resistance changing over time. Mm -hmm. And this is uh, where, where we give additional insights and uh, we did prove quite, um, uh, quite lately and also with a lot of uh, publications that you can also understand from one module, the whole string and, and conclude a lot of uh, fault behavior from that. Mm -hmm. uh, so string uh, IV scans always make sense from the representative module. Okay. So, so you can do IV scans with your, with your product. I mean, how, can you give us an idea how you do it? Cause you, you know, you only have access to the full string or do you have a device per module? How do you do well, it? Uh, we have a, a separate product line, which is doing IV scans as uh -huh. a solution that's not connected to the power plant, uh -huh. but we can then overlay the data and, and, and learn from that. So that's one thing. Uh, another thing is that uh, you can also ingest IV scan data to our platform from uh -huh. a third party device, and then we can correlate it there and also try and also model it. Uh -huh. um, but the question is always how correct is that? Because you cannot work there with one minute average irradiation values. If the sun is moving, uh, you need a higher resolution. So IV scans are done in a second. Uh, so you, you have to have the right data acquisition. So we rather add this feature set as a, as a separate system to big power plants or to for big customers to, to offer that service. And then you overlay the data. Mm. Um, because when you 
keep the PV module at MPP between all the IV scans, um, the results show very clearly that this is very realistic how it is going on. And you can also, it, it's much more um, simpler to, to work with the data. Mm. So that's that's the way for the, for the IV scan. Um, also for companies which are doing PV module development research or quality, IV scans are always helpful to, to link that from indoor to outdoor. Okay, okay. So that's an extra device you connect to a string. So then you can uh, do different IV scans at different temperatures, different irradiations level and do that over time. So you have very lots of data so you can track degradation or any funny uh, um, effects very early. Okay, yep. okay. Um, then there is the non-contacting or partially contacting uh, technologies like uh, imaging technologies, electroluminescence and infrared imaging, sometimes done uh, most and more and more done with drones. Um, what do you think of that? And uh, maybe ca can you even integrate this data automatically into your, into your system? Yes, uh, I think that topic has big potential and uh, will grow further and further because it's a different way of getting insights. And I think it's not one or the other. It's when you can combine it, I think you can save money and time. So if you have current of a string and you have a picture of that string and you see uh, how it is behaving um, with the module temperature or EL and, and so on, then you can uh, draw fast conclusions. And um, how we can work on, on that topic is that uh, people can access our data with APIs structured already. So you can uh, overlay your picture information with the measurement over uh, information and, and work out here some conclusions. Mm -hmm. So that's possible as, as of today. And uh, somebody has to work on that enrichment step. Uh, so, uh, and I think this is quite in the build up. So we, we provide here the API at the moment. Uh, I think at the end, you cannot avoid that somebody has to go there. Uh, so it's, 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 a, it's a quick thing. <clears throat> and if you have no monitoring, it helps you a lot and also see that over time, uh, but also that service is not for free. And it's just at the given point of time. Uh, how much, you know, when you want to run that drone every week, okay, that, that the question is, what is the price for that? Mm. Uh, I, I have not seen here a, a business which is profitable. Uh, so they rather do it yearly and so on. And then you have to also be clear about the precondition. Is it is it cleaned? What is the angle mm. of incidence and all that stuff? So uh, it, it, it's very interesting. and. I think the challenge is to overlap that with a real measurement and then you have the right inside what you what you think you get. Yeah. Um, what do you think, what are other innovations required to uh, optimize um, solar park um, operation and, and maintenance? So we just talked about drones. Uh, you, you have uh, introduced a IV scan methodology. What, what else are, would you like to see in the future? What I think is is key that the data you have that you utilize that a lot of people are collecting data but they are not utilizing that enough. Mm -hmm. um, because the first one is the 
the number of data points you have. And that's not something what you can do on your PC. You need really a platform which can handle that. And this is where we uh, work a lot that you have structured scalable data backends mm. uh, so that the people can there can get their data quickly when they need it. And out of that data, you can do much more analysis. So I think it's underutilized. And the second thing is what, what, what I would do before jumping into any machine learning era is, I th let's call it the era of metadata. I think the efficient combination of data, measurement data, time series data with the meta information, that has to be solved because I, I tried to explain that. So yeah, well, what's metadata? Yeah, yeah. If you have a if you have a a time series of the inverted performance from yesterday, that's time series data. You can plot that, but you have to normalize it. So you need the the, the nominal power of the inverter. You need the brand. You need the serial number and all that stuff. And you have when you can access that quickly with one API call. Mm -hmm. Then you can start to analyze very efficiently. And a lot of people spend a lot of their lifetime to combine <laughs> that data, build it up. and Manually, say, yeah. Exactly. Can I have it for another version? Yes, go back to square one and then do it again. Okay. And this is where our next uh, uh, improvements will be. We have already all the metadata from the components inside. And that makes it easy <clears throat> for the people to quickly uh, do their conclusion and do basic analysis to solve uh, the most important things on a daily work. Mm. So I think that's that's quite important. And if you do it right at the beginning, you save time. That's something what I also uh, see a lot. Uh, don't wait to the setup correctly because you need it over decades and every person who will use the data uh, can use it. And if you have to the wrong metadata connected all your work is not not helpful it's not true so metadata i think is key to yeah. combine that okay so if i uh, summarize correctly um, correct me if i'm wrong so number one is use the existing data more wisely you know, work with it yeah? and the second is add the metadata like uh, serial number um, product generation etc so add more information and then again, I guess, back to topic one, uh, work with it and work with it more wisely. Yeah. So you don't need, let's say, hardware innovations. It's more like work with the data, create more data and work with it. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and use what is available. I mean, use it, when, yeah. I when yeah. we collect really everything what the inverter tells us, uh, even when it's not required, because we know later on the customer will ask for it. So it's really collect the data you don't have to store it forever but it it this with the experience we know that uh, a lot of that for example inverter temperature is important at the beginning nobody wants to have it but now when you start to do aging and things you want to see the temperature profile yeah. of all the devices and quickly you can find out oh yeah if you, you forget the shade cover of that inverter in australia um, <laughs> that's worth it you know um yeah. stuff, simple example yeah Let, let's jump to storage um obviously as we have more and more renewable energy in the grid we need storage to um, compensate for phases where there's 
less sun or no wind or even worse in, in combination. So you mentioned that uh, you also have solutions in the in the for the storage battery sections. Just briefly, what what is the what what is the key challenge here? Um, what's the industry now keeping busy most of the time? That's a very good question, and I think storage will or has the potential to be a similar, even not even why not a bigger success story than solar. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's that's what we what I think, and you so he also that the market behavior at the moment uh, has a lot of uh, similarities to the PV gold rush uh, when we started fifteen years ago, something yeah. like that. This is what I see. I think batteries have one more or two more additional complexities. First of all, the business model will change over lifetime, mm -hmm. and the second one is what do I get. Um, so here monitoring and quality control is is much is even more important because you have to keep your device at the right temperature at the right environmental conditions to not lose any warranty claims and all that stuff so mm -hmm. from the delivery that's important that this is monitored so this is where we support then you install it and you you try to run your your your, your service that could, you know, there are more than 20, 23 different services are out there for batteries, different on the things you can have energy arbitrage, spinning reserve, frequency regulation and black start and all that stuff. But you could also do just peak shaving or backup power or uh, they had the triads in the, in, in, in the UK where a lot of business was done. Um, and, 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 um, and, and if you take the, the peak shaving example, so we want to shift uh, the peak from PV to the evening, which is more or less uh, now the number one use case in, in California or in the Southeast of the US. Then you do that and you try to collect this, the energy from the Southwest in Arizona, Nevada and, 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 and provide it to California when, when there's sunrise and sunset. Mm -hmm. Um, and when you have um, changing energy prices, electricity prices, people could say, well, I earn more money when I do frequency control. So let's do frequency control with my asset. And then suddenly you have to be able to control the batteries differently to switch the mode. And this is something what is new for all that players. And this is uh, where we really adapt on that. You could run different control mod methods at the same time and for the different assets uh, because the investors see different opportunities. And I think it's not clear what the batteries will do as a service in the next years. The market is changing very fast, so you have to adapt. And when you make that decision, you also need some history, how many cycles I have done, how is the aging of my battery. So there is also a lot of battery analytics uh, done. And here we are, the, the industry as its its own is, is learning, is um, developing skills. Uh, and a very fast driver is the uh, mobility section where mm -hmm. they really try to understand everything. Yeah. Excellent. Hey, um, let's come to an end. Um, one final big question. And when you look at the uh, 
So outside Gantner, outside uh, monitoring, um, you've got a long, many years of experience in, in the solar. You've, you've seen uh, um, a big rise in the regional drops in, in the application of, of, of solar. And uh, now there's a big uh, turn, turn up again. Uh, you see the operation, day-to-day -day operation of solar parks. What is required from your point of view to take solar to the next level? Um, including storage, including wind, so it, 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 it so that it becomes a, a so that it's used more often, more quickly, um, more globally. What is required to to make that possible? Big question. Uh, try to answer it in a in a in a not not if it's a big answer or long answer, but I think we we all see that the energy system should be decoupled from the gas price. This is what helps us because then it comes out what is the energy production cost of solar wind and it's the cheapest. So it has a lot of momentum at the moment and it will keep. I mean, we we will see more than 50% of the energy capacity installed will be solar, that this is growing. We have, <clears throat> this is uh, momentum cannot be changed. I think that, that that's very good. The question is now how you, Put that into the market it has to work reliable you have to have it like a a good concept where you can adapt it at different places uh, places look uh, worldwide and and it's scalable uh, quite fast but you still you have to keep the quality i think this is important and uh, it has to play a significant role in the grid stability so you meet in the middle you have the big utilities doing the st stable grid and you have the small smaller players from renewable energy. So you have to be part of the grid of the future, which will be smart in terms of that it is not centralized anymore. I think this is needed that you remove that barriers. Uh, and, and these barriers should be removed. And I think there is a lot of uh, speed reduction uh, tried by a lot of players because you lose power when you have an established energy system at, uh, with the big players and when it's decentralized, you cannot, you, the, the market mechanisms work differently. Mm -hmm. I think this is, this is the big thing. The technology is there. Uh, you can always improve it. You can reduce uh, uh, CO2 uh, footprint and all that stuff. All this stuff I think is going on. Um, uh, and I think the, the data on top of that should be available and, and used for all of the participants in the power plant uh, and, and in the energy segment that you can rule, uh, really optimize that smart uh, system mm -hmm. and 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 data quality i think you cannot argue about that if you have good quality you can have good control excellent so uh decentralized a decentralized energy system with uh, with with a smart control that's the the key point you see as a to to accelerate the the rollout of solar and and, and energy wind production. Yeah. Excellent. Hey Jürgen, thanks a lot for your insights. Thanks for taking the time, and all the best for you and uh, Gantner. Okay, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to share our story, and I'm looking forward uh, to meet soon in person again. Yep. Bye bye, Jürgen. Bye bye.